Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Oh, I don't like her response. Her response is too cold. Somebody shout hallelujah. If you're a living soul this morning, come on, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Our God is good and all the time. This morning, with the anointed voices, we have a ministration titled The Refiner. Hallelujah. Amen. May the Lord refine our lives for his purpose, for his glory. May he mold us into what he wants us to be in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I pray that as you listen to this ministration this morning, may your life be touched and may he be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, yeah. 
to bless us this morning. The Bible says, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good. I want you to know that the anointing of God is upon his servant, is upon our reverend afresh this morning, and God is going to be using it to do good in your life and in my life in the mighty name of Jesus. God is going to be using it to heal us, to deliver us, to transform our lives this morning in the name of Jesus. So I want you to rise on your feet with me, put your hands together, join me to welcome and say our reverend John Joseph as he bless us this morning with the word of God.
you because in your name we have the victory, the victory that is sure and guaranteed is what we have in your name. We thank you, Lord, because this morning you are going to speak to us and bring transformation to us by the power of your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your sweet anointing that is here to teach us to get, oh God. Precious Holy Spirit, we welcome you once again. Have your way in this gathering. You are the teacher. Come and teach us afresh. Minister to our lives and our needs. None shall return back the same way they have come. Thank you for all our online audience right now all around the world. Thank you for those who are joining us from everywhere. That the same anointing that is here will also meet them at the very point of their needs. In Jesus' name I have prayed. Amen. Come on, shout a louder. Amen, somebody. Amen. You may please be seated. But before you do that, please shake at least three people. Say, get ready for an encounter in the world. At least three people tell them, get ready for an encounter in the world. Get ready for an encounter in the word. Glory be to God. You may please be seated on top of your enemies. Now please do me a favor, please. If there are empty seats in front of you, which there are just a few, please can you just occupy them. Get ready for your promotion right now. Okay. It's always needed so that when the other people are coming, ushers, please can you guide us in that decision, please, so that there are no empty seats in front of us. I've always said is you always try to sit at the front because you are meant for promotion in life. Amen. Unless you, are, you don't like promotion. But if you are the type that likes promotion anywhere, all right, always learn to sit. It. Okay, Sli, Okon, please come to the front. Yeah. I think I've missed your face in the front for some time. Okay. Fantastic. Yes, yes, yes. Great. Before we, we share the word, I would like to say something. In this church, we have what we call the Royal Care Group. The Royal Care Group. Um, it's our house fellowship or it's our fellowship center. And one of the slogans or the main slogan for the Royal Care Group is that don't do life alone. Together is better. Now, the Bible says that one shall chase a thousand, two shall chase what? 10,000. Now, so there is power in two. Don't undermine what two can do. In the church like we are this morning, we are often used to quite a number of people coming to church in the morning. And uh, we don't like the company of two, three, four, five, six, seven. Because we are used to keeping company in large groups. But I want to encourage you that, you see, most of us when we are in school, did better when we had private teachers. Even though you are the teacher who is coming to the class to teach everybody, but in the midst of it, there are things that will not be clear to you. And in fact, a lot of students did not do well in school because they only attend these large gatherings. But most of our parents haven't understood this principle, decide to get for us private teachers. And most of these private teachers spend time with us. They will look at our strength and our weakness and help us grow in that area of weakness and subjects. That is why in this church, we also believe in small groups. Our small group, which is our cell system, helps to strengthen our members. There is not everybody I can visit. 
It's not everybody that can know when they are challenged or not. I remember some time ago that one of our um, members who happens to stay after somewhere at Songo, uh, 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 it's even after Songo towards um, if Joju, I don't even know where Joju is till today. All right, I don't know where Joju. Now this particular member, I think it was during the uh, during the coronavirus. Yeah, most of our members are command and the but she was there. But you can imagine, even though there were no movement during that season, it was a season of lockdown. Because she belonged to a small group in the church. When, as a church, we began to distribute some things for members, the people in the area here traveled all the way to that area she was coming from. Uh, and we even, they even engaged a police officer because of one member to escort whatever they want to give to her and her family all the way to that place, which is Georgia. And the, the driver and the, and the people made sure that, the, 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 okay, one of our members was a police officer. It was not that way yet. Had to be the one to do that, to make sure that, okay, we are taking advantage of you. You have a police license and whatever. Help us take, since police can move during that season, get to this member's place. And she was very happy. We had some at far away at Oba. We had one of our sisters who is a nurse because they said essential workers can move. The one who was a nurse was able to go all the way to Oba and see to their welfare. And in, during that season, even though we are not able to meet in the central body, all our small groups were still meeting and they were still being taken care of. If we did not have those cell systems in place before the coronavirus, or we do not have those small groups in place before the lockdown where they ask churches not to meet, which has never happened before in our modern history, that churches should not gather on Sunday and meet, what will, what do you, can you imagine what would have happened to most of us as members and most of the people in the church? A lot of people would have been affected negatively because they are only used to the larger body and do not believe in the smaller groups. I want to say to you that to really enjoy what a church has to offer, you need to belong to a small group. And we even have specialized small groups now. Because we want to be a family indeed. We want to be able to take care of people's needs. We want to be able to attend to you. We want to be able to stand by you, be with you, and do a lot of things. Last month, one of our people were celebrating um, birthdays. Uh, a birthday or his birthday, I think I've forgotten whichever. But all I saw on that midweek service was some people have gone to higher trumpet or whatever to bring to the media to celebrate the birthday of these people, this particular um, individual. And I was like, wow, that's nice, that's kind of cool. I don't think I would have rented that for the person. And the other one, they even went to go and get a cake. And you know, who are those people? Small groups. They celebrate one another. Because they know when they are doing such things. Your wedding anniversary is coming. Nobody knows. If you are in a small group, they will know. In fact, they help us as in the church and the larger body to know a lot of things. Even I, as a pastor, I belong to a small group in church. I belong to the men's fellowship, right? Which takes place in church. I belong to a small group. My wife attends small group. My children all belong to a small group and they lead small group. So because I believe in the power of small group, I believe you cannot do life alone. Together is better. 
So I want to encourage you, if you have not joined any of our cell system, the care group that we have in church, today is not too late for you to join. 5 to 6 p.m. Even though today we are having an impartation service later after the small group meeting by, by 6, uh, 6 p.m. So today is more of get together, pray, go and invite our friends. We come for the bigger service here in the evening, which happens once a month. But it's still worth it. Don't wait until you need them before you go there. Start now. So if you don't belong to one, today is a good day to join a house fellowship. Today is a good day to join a royal care group. And I want to tell you, you will enjoy it. Ask your neighbor, which care group do you belong to? No, I mean it. I mean it. This is smile to your neighbor. I've said, said, just ask your neighbor, which care group do you belong to? Now, if your neighbor is saying, I said, what's the name? Mention the name. Mention the name first. Okay, now that your neighbor is not sure, then if you are near to your neighbor, say, I advertise your own care group to your neighbor now. Oh, you will not advertise your own care group. All right. Okay. So, after the service, you will see people always coming around to meet you, to advertise their fellowship, to advertise their care group. Well, listen to them well and make the best decision. I can also come to you to advertise the men's fellowship. Because from October, even the men's fellowship now, we are taking it to another dimension. There are new things we are going to be introducing in the men's fellowship because it is the end of the year when men will be looking around for a lot of things. So we are re-strategizing in the men's fellowship to prepare for the end of the year. So if you're a man here, you cannot afford to mean the men's fellowship. Praise the name of Jesus. All right. Put your hands together for Jesus. <laughs> Fulfilling purpose, part two. Fulfilling purpose. In the first service, I shared with us on the subject of fulfilling purpose. And I would like to read from the book of Matthew. If you have your Bible in church, say with me, I have my Bible. So Matthew chapter 5 verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savour or its taste, where it shall it be salted? It is stands forth good for nothing, but to be cast out and be trodden under the foot of men. The Bible likens us to the salt of the world. And it says something significant by saying that if the salt lost its taste, the salt becomes tasteless. What value does the salt hold anymore? Of what use is a salt that is no longer tasty? That is not just the thing he said. He then went on to say that what is it that can then make the salt that we can add to the salt to give it taste again? It's almost an impossible task that when a salt has lost its taste to be added with any form of additives to give the salt taste. So that means it is possible for a man to lose his taste. Because I would say that if the salt, so that means it's possible. The salt on the other hand is designed, the purpose of the salt is to make things tasty. You know, I did something I can never forget as a young boy. I shared it with the men during one of our fellowships. I used to hear when people say, the food is sweet, the food is sweet, the food is sweet, 
the food is sweet. And when I drink milo, we also say milo is what? Sweet. So as a young boy, my favorite soup was vegetable. And when we go to our mom, we say, mommy, your vegetable soup is sweet. Then one day I just had an idea. If vegetable soup is sweet, or this stew is sweet, milo is also sweet. Why can't I add this chocolate drink to my soup? To make it more sweeter. Now, if you grew up in the kind of home I grew up in, one thing of milk is for seven of us. We put lipton, about four lipton, about 20 cubes of sugar, inside five liters, and we'll put one tin of milk, we'll stay and start drawing out from the well of salvation. So by, by nowhere my mother kept the milo. Growing up, I don't think I've drunk milo on my own. So I decided to steal it for this experiment. My, I, the one that were apportioned the gary. So when I was apportioning the eba in the plate, my stolen milo, I put it under and put the gary on top. We carry the soup for our mother, to our mother. She gives her the soup and whatever she, condiment she wants to put inside. Then I went back to sit down. Lifted up my gary, put the soup under, stay together with the melo. Now I'm about to eat the best meal of my life. With all assurance of salvation and boldness, I carried the thing with the vegetable. And my mother was just eating. Everybody was eating. Inside one room, there is no hiding place. When I carried the thing, I was very right. Only that the gary refused to go down. By the time I tested it, my countenance changed. Then my mother asked, she called me, ah, what happened? <laughs> Nothing. <sighs> but you know, as a teenage boy, the way we eat those days are very fast. For, 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 for whatever reason, I began to eat very slow. And I was trying to beg my sister for soup. So my mother suspected, you know, women have this thing that when you are not talking, they decode. So she cried, what is it? What is it? When she tasted the soup, what is it? Mommy, I'm sorry. What did you do? Eventually she forced me to confess. And she, you know what? She rather added more gary for me. And made me sit down with this Milo vegetable soup. My good God. It's been how many years? I can't forget that day. Going back to the salt is the same thing. If the salt loses its purpose, which is to bring taste to a food, 
the Bible says, where we shall lead the salted. What is it that can give salt taste? Let's bring this to our life. I want to ask you today, what is your purpose? What is God's purpose for creating you and I? Was it because God was lonely? Was it because God did not have a friend? Was it because God did not want to be boring? Why did God create man? What is God's purpose for creating man? You and I have to know what our purpose is so that we can fulfill it. So, but I have titled the message Fulfilling Purpose. But before you can fulfill purpose, you must understand what purpose is all about. So, let's go into Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 28. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So this first part shows the story of creation and um, why God created man. The second part is the assignment God gave to man. Verse 28. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. The next thing you're about to read is God's provision because of his assignment. Verse 29. And God said, Behold, I have given you. I think you need to underline the word in your Bible, given you. I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. In other words, I have given you food. I have given you your daily bread. Even without man praying, without man working for it, without man doing anything, God said, I have given you now your daily bread. What a wonderful God. The next, let's continue. Verse 30. And to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given, you see the word given again. So he gave and gave and gave every green herb for meat and it was so. Amen. Wonderful. Now, I want us to read another account of this same story, which is now the summary of what we just read. The summary of what we just read. It's the same thing, but there are some additives to it. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Again, it starts with creation. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. 
and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He, God, breathed into the nostrils of man. What did he do? The breath of life. Who owns the breath? Who owns the breath? Who owns the breath? So you, God gave us his breath. Good. A man became a living soul. That means you and I are alive because of what? The breath of God in us. Is that not the case? The reason why you are alive now is because of his breath. We came to life. So you are a carrier of the breath of God. Now I want us as we read this account to show me what you own. So we've seen God owns the breath. Now the provision now. Verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. Who planted the garden? Man or God? Man or God? Good. And there he put the man whom he had formed. So he had planted the garden. He carried the man and put him in the garden. Are you still with me? No, are you here or you have gone home? Good. Verse 9. And out of the ground made the Lord to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Who made it to grow? Who made the tree to grow? Who gave man food? Are you still with me? The tree of life in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden. Who provided water for man? Man dug his own first borehole. Man dug his borehole. Man created the river. Wow, this is wonderful. Verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the midst of the garden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden that thou mayest freely eat. Verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. What was the purpose of man then? Why did God create that man? The answer would just pass it. Look into your Bible. Why did God create man? Why was man created? Why were you created? What is purpose here? The answer is there. Verse 15, look at it. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden. To do what? To do what? So the first lesson I want us to learn is that God owns everything. The second part of that word is you own nothing. God owns everything. You and I own nothing. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Psalm 89 verse 11. Psalm 89 verse 11. The heavens are dying, the earth are also dying. 
As for the world and the fullness thereof, thou hast founded them. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11. Revelation 4 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Say with me, I own nothing. It's so amazing that we own nothing, even your body is not your own. This body that we pancake, we mancake, we mascake, we do cake, we do cake, and all the cakes, masquerades, barbets, whatever, amazingly, is not yours. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Your body is God's gift to you. You are a caretaker of even your body. Let me even shock you. Your own life does not belong to you. Even according to the law, when they see a man, arrest a man for trying to take his own life, the man can be jailed for attempted suicide. Why? Even the human law recognizes that even though it is your life, it does not belong to you. That's why they were arrested. It does not, if human being, who, some of who don't believe in God, says it is against the law for you to take your own life. Because they recognize that it does not belong to you. You own nothing. I own nothing. But the greatest deception of the enemy is for you to move around thinking that you own everything. The house you are in is not your own, even if you build that house. The car you are driving is not your own, even if you bought the car. Amazingly, let me say this to you. Your children are not your own. Most of us even think our children are our own. Say, my children, my children. That is why most children are not living to fulfill their purpose. Because you see, because we think they belong to us. Some of us, when it is time for us, for them to leave the house, we fight it. Because we don't want them to leave the house. You always want to be in charge of them. That's not only it. Some of us, we have everything sorted out for our children. The school they will go, the food they will eat, who they will marry, where they will live. You've planned it all because you feel you own those children. And for once in your life, you have never stopped to ask God, Lord, why did you give me these children? Why did you give me this child? Lord, what is your plan for my son? What is your plan for my daughter? Why do you send these children to my life? But because you feel they are your children, you don't owe God any explanation and you can do whatever you want to do with them because they are your children. But it's a lie. They are not yours. They are not yours. You are only a manager of God's resources. You are only a custodian of God's resources. He put them in your hand for you to manage them and you have now taken over and you have held the hands of the one who have given it all to you because you feel it's your own. Even the money you have is not your own. My money! That's why some of us don't have enough. 
And that's why some of us are now slaves to money. Because it is our money. So you don't even need to pray before you spend your money. How many of you realize that we don't even pray before you, we spend our salary anymore? And yet we keep saying, God provide for me. Because you have it all planned out. During the course of the month, some people will give you some gifts. Hey, take this gift. Take that gift. And you don't even stop for one that there must be a reason why God sent this man to give me this gift. There must be a reason why God has sent this gift to my life. They ask the Lord, what do you want me to do with this gift? You don't even talk to God about money because it is your money. But it's a lie. It's not your money. God owns you. He owns everything about your life. You can choose to acknowledge it or not. But finally, the day where you acknowledge it will come. The reason why no human being can take anything out of this world is because in the first place it doesn't belong to them. You see, death is a reminder that you are just a manager. Even your children, these are your children, you can't take them along. Because why? They are his and not actually yours. When you understand this, that is when life becomes more meaningful to you. If you can lay hold of this truth, even when you see something about your children, you will go back to their maker and report them to him, the one who gave them to you. If only you can get hold of this important truth, that the husband you have is not even your own husband. It's not your own wife. God sent you to him and sent him to you because Adam and Eve who arranged marriage in the first place was marriage God's idea? No! Marriage was all about God's idea. Man don't even know, never had the slightest idea that he needed to marry. But God said, I will make him marry. This is one of the lies that the devil is using to make us full of pride today. Thinking that it's your own. It's your own. It's your own. Somebody even want to someone even sang a song. The other, it's my life. It's my life. Oh, whatever he called it. And he said, No, it's not your life. The only way you can claim it is if you are the one that owns the breath. Number two, why did God create man then? He created us to serve him. You and I were created with the purpose of serving God. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely. He created said, dread, I'm creating you, I'm putting you in this garden. I have given you everything you need. Why? So that you can dress it. But when you are hungry, these are the things you need to live a good life. These are yours. These are yours. To dress it. Dress the garden. Please me. Serve me. But you know, that is not the case anymore. When you think you own your life, you will never serve God with it anymore. Those who own their life don't serve God. It is those who don't own their life that serves God. Serving God is a declaration that you are not your own and that you know who owns you. But when you own your life, you will choose to say, I will serve him 
or I will not serve him. But let me say, you were created, I was created to serve him. You know, if you understand this purpose as a woman, like I shared in the first service, you will know your place in the life of your husband. Today, why, when most women are praying for husband, they are praying for the husband they want to enjoy. They are praying for the marriage that will make them happy. And when you ask some of them, is your marriage okay? They say, my marriage is okay. Why? The man is so nice to me. He, play, he gives me allowance. He, gives, he takes care of my children. He does not beat me. He works very hard. We traveled to Bahamas the other time, Jamaica the other day, you know, and everything like that. According to her, that is a nice marriage. You should hear a lady praying for husband. Say, Lord, give me a husband. But you ask, why do you want God to give you a husband? You realize that most of the time is because they feel that, number one, all my friends are married. I ought to be married. Some will say, oh, because normally uh, it's not good for a woman to, to be alone, not just a man. I want to have some and the rest. But you know something? A man that is nice to you, nice to you and mean to God simply means you are a woman that have missed your purpose. Because you see, women, listen to me, God created you to help the man fulfill his purpose in his kingdom. He created man. He put him in the garden. He told him, dress it. Then he stood back and said, this man, as he's dressing this thing to be stressful for him, let me give him a helpmate that will be cooking for him, that will be taking care of him, even as he's serving me. Your purpose in the life of a man as a woman is not to draw him to you, but to lead him to him. Your purpose as a woman is not to draw him to you, but to draw him to him. To lead him to him. Next time you want to pray for a husband, pray, Lord, give me the man that I will be able to lead to you. You see, marriage for you as a woman is not about you, it's you and God. It's God brought you for a purpose that this man have an assignment. I've given him assignment. I want you to help him fulfill his assignment. If the man is nice to you and me to God, you have missed your purpose as a woman. Because that is not who you are. You are there to lead him to God. Why, why God? Why is my marriage like this? That is exactly how your marriage should be. Because you see, most of us are looking for ready-made husband who will not give us any problem. No, that is not what you are as a woman. God can send any of the man to you because he knows that he has equipped you with what it takes to turn his destiny around and lead him back to him. Stop looking for a new man. Ask God, Lord, how can I fulfill your purpose in this marriage? Instead of crying because the man is not nice to you, that should not even be your concern. Your concern should be primarily that he is not even honoring God. You see, there is no man who honors God that will not love you, the woman. The beginning of a good marriage is to focus less on yourself and teach him to love God. If he loves God, you will see, he will seek for you every day. A man who does not love God cannot really love you. It's a matter of time. 
So you are praying, Lord, make my marriage work. Why? Because so that I can love you, you are missing it. Make my marriage work. Father, help me. Let this man love you. Lord, and you are doing your everything to make him love God, to make him serve God. You see, in solving that problem, you are actually solving your own problem. Woman, it's time to fulfill your purpose in God. Even if the man is tiger wood, I just use tiger wood. Tiger inside wood, not the one of the golfer. God sent him to you because he knows you have what it takes to make him sheep wood. No matter who the man is, a woman is equipped with all that it takes to lead the man in the way of God. Yeah. Only one person is clapping. The rest of you are, you are sad. Number three. Relationship is the key to fulfilling your purpose. Relationship with God is the key to fulfilling your purpose. Verse 16 of Genesis chapter 2. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... Thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. I explained what this meant in the first service. Today, when you hear the word, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what will come to your mind? It's not a bad tree. Why should it be a bad tree? Because this tree will help you know that this fire is hot. Or this fire is not hot. Knowledge of good and evil means this is bad, this is good. Anything that can help you to know this is bad or this is good, is not a good thing. Oh, you will, if, you, if you go on this one, you will fall inside God's eh? And if you don't go, you will not fall. So why is it that God said, don't eat of what today's world we will say that is good? Actually, today, if you want to rename that tree, you will call it the Google tree. Google tree. Why? Because, you know, all you need to do is to enter whatever you want to find out in it. Um, is uh, sugar cane good for the body? And it will give you good. Just like, is that what we're doing, Google? There was a Google tree in that garden. A tree that is a data, data bank. A tree that has all the knowledge on of good and if any information you are looking for that tree will give it to you but why did God say don't eat of that tree is it because God was afraid that they will know more than him no actually the reason is this that tree could give them information but God wanted them to live by revelation the difference is this. The other tree will make them depend on their physical senses. But without the tree, they depend on God. God wanted them to live a life that is not governed by their physical senses, by their feelings, by their emotion. God wanted them to live a life that is based on what he will reveal to them. Remember, 
that with until they ate that tree, there was no pain. The tree brought the knowledge of pain to them. They knew no pain. Look at what happened. Let's look at the effect of the tree. What happened after they ate the tree? Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired, to make one wise. You see that normally today's world is not a bad, it, is, it didn't say anything bad about the tree. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Verse 7 then says, and the eyes of them both were opened. Look at what happened immediately after they ate the tree. Number one, number one was that their eyes were opened. Now, was it that they were blind before? No. Their physical eyes popped open. They began to see things in another light. You see, when man, when a child of God is in a falling state, the way he or she will begin to see things will be different. Whenever Satan takes advantage of a child of God, one of the things that is affected is the vision. Is the vision. The devil always likes to go after man's vision. You will see things in another way. Some of the things you are not doing today is because of your perception of those things. How you view those things. How you view the world. You are driven by the way you see things. The first thing, they, they, their eyes were opened. You see, when you are going about your life with physical sights, you cannot fulfill your purpose. A man who is driven by his physical sight, we only choose a woman of a certain criteria. Maybe she's tall, she gets long hair, she's from the same village, our local government is from my own, you know, we are so, our mother is my, um, our mother and my own mother is friend, she attends the same school. You see, all these criteria, what? Vision. I used to tell my wife that she was so blessed that she did not choose my vision. You see, it's easier for a woman, somebody to look at me today and desire to marry me. But it takes a woman who was not operating by physical side then to look at me and say that I'm a married material. In fact, I remember my in-laws never really came to my house to, for once, apart from naming ceremony, because they never saw anything perhaps that my wife was, was seeing. I remember even one of the gifts that my wife said was she was giving, the last advice was that in case it didn't work, you still have a house here. Your room is here, we didn't send you away. Because you see, when you see me those days, boy, even till now with all the beans I've eaten, I'm still not taller than this for crying out loud. With all the pizza and everything, still look at the body as it is. Now, can you imagine when there was no food at all? Man, Ori Re Kori. Those of you who don't understand your right, you don't know what I've just said. It's, it's a Greek word. You have to have a Greek Bible to understand what I mean. When you say Ori Re Kori, the body so thin, the head so big, and it will be as if the head is, you know, so when I'm coming like that, you know, you will see my head before you see my body. That's what Olive and Corey means. My head, only God knows how my neck survived. Everything I was eating was just going inside the head. And the body, 
It refused to be grown. I think after some years of marriage, I think everything has not balanced up. But the body self is still not. Ah, I eat it and no. Come on. <laughs> but thank God for spiritual sight. You cannot live your life choosing by your sight. You will choose wrong. You know, the first job I chose was paying me 2,000 naira. My transport fare was 1,800. That was the few Igbo I could speak to today was not because of the Igbo people in church. It was because of the Igbo restaurant I used to visit. And people, the first set of Igbo words I know how to speak was Ano Kaazu, Ofu Ano. That's what the first, because that's the Ofu Ano. I always remember, because the woman always like Ano Kaazu, Ofu Ano. The Ano Kaazu, Ofu Azu. Always. That one, my favorite Igbo word. It stayed with me in the restaurant. Because I learned Igbo food for those who don't have money. Very fantastic. Igbo restaurant. Very fantastic. Yoruba one is for those who have money. Why? You buy two gari, the woman will be measured, they will measure even the way do for you. Measure the stew for you. And when you, when you even finish, the, you, in the Yoruba restaurant, it is a crime for you to ask for extra soup. Go and find out. I don't know why they are like that. The next thing that happened was, they knew they were naked. And watch what happened. They knew they were naked. What does that mean? First, their vision. Now, knowledge. They knew they were naked. That means they stopped looking up to God. They start looking downward. They are no longer seeing what God can do. But it's now what they can do. Their life was now, you see, they knew they were naked because there's now the way they are seeing things, they see themselves, they no longer see God at work in their life. David said, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help, my help cometh from the Lord. You see, when Satan asks you, he will make sure that you don't pray about everything anymore. Now, you depend on the connection in Abuja, you depend on who you know, how you know, you depend on the doctor report, you depend on what the doctor said because now you have the money, you have the uncle. And what those people cannot do remains undone. What the doctors cannot do may remains undone. That is not how God wants you to live your life. You cannot fulfill purpose by seeing your own nakedness. You have to always see God. Even when the situation appears bleak, they say that it's not curable. They say that nothing can be done. But if you keep looking up to God, where you ought to cry, you will smile. They cannot understand why you are smiling. Because you say to them, with man, this is impossible. But not with God. Hallelujah. Not with God. Not with God. You can't get a job. It's because you are looking down. Depression sets in when you begin to see your nakedness. Tell me anybody that is depressed. You will see that one of the causes of depression is that the person is just seeing his nakedness. 
You see, who is not, what is not able to do, my life is like this, this is like this, this is like this. When you see things differently, you can never be depressed. But when the devil takes hold of your vision, he opens your eyes to see what you don't have and you begin to lose what you have. You know, depression makes you actually lose the remaining thing that you have. You have, you don't have money, but you have good health. Depression will make you focus on the money you don't have until you lose the health yourself. Your husband is not making you happy, but God has blessed you with the children. Depression will make you now lose your own children because now you start maltreating your children because you are always angry. Now you lose your husband, you lose the children. Depression is aimed at taking the remaining things that you have not been able to hand over to him. Depression makes you hand over whatever is left until you have nothing to celebrate anymore. They knew they were naked. They knew they were naked. Today, who is telling you that you are naked? Who told you you cannot be great? Who told you that it's over for your life? Who told you that God cannot make a way in the wilderness for you? Who told you that this situation, this is the end of the road? Whose report are you believing? Is it the doctor? From even some of us believe the doctor more than God. A doctor says something that you believe in the doctor now. You don't even believe God anymore. No, no, you are making a mistake. That nakedness is because your eyes is no longer on God. Take your eyes back on God. He's a waymaker. He's a miracle worker. He's the one that makes way in the wilderness. It's not over yet for you. All you need to do is fix your eyes on God. Hallelujah, somebody. The next thing, they sold fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They sold fig trees together and made themselves aprons. Do you know what just happened right there? When God put them in the garden, God said, dress the garden, right? Keep it. But God did not tell them to sow anything for themselves. God did not say, tell them to, to put fig leaves together because God had already made provision for them. So when they ate the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, they did not see any reason as to why they should serve God anymore they began to serve themselves. They began to walk now to make ends meet. This was when man began to become an employer of labor. He employed himself. Serving this God is irrelevant. You see, when the devil steps into the life of a man, he attacks his life of stewardship. He attacks his commitment to God. The devil is after you so that you will never serve God. And look at it today. We wake up in the morning, we too, like Adam and Eve, we are running around, sowing fig leaves to ourselves, making aprons to ourselves. And by the time you know it, we are busy making all these aprons. We no longer serve God. Most of us are making aprons our lives today. 
You pay your own house rent. You are paying your own children's school fees. You are taking care of yourself. You are finding out to buy a car for yourself. You know, you are just, we are all going about making our aprons, making our fig leaves. And because of that, we stop serving God. Go and read it. When they started making aprons for themselves, they stopped serving God. That was the old deception. The devil will tell them, you can make it by yourself. All you need to do is work harder. Build a good family. Nurture a good home. Send yourself abroad. Build all this career for yourself. In fact, do you know how Jesus explained it in Luke chapter 4 verse 4? The devil came to him in another garden and said, If you will bow to me, I'll, if you will worship and bow to me, I will give you everything. Jesus said, I will worship only God alone. In other words, don't make me start making aprons and fig leaves for myself. Hey, brother, you have abandoned your calling. And you are making aprons for yourself today. You are making fig leaves for yourself today. Why are you not serving God? Because you are busy with your aprons. You are busy with your fig leaves. You are busy building your career. You are building, busy building your home. Busy building your marriage. Busy building with your business. But the only thing you have stopped doing is that you are no longer serving God. That is not who you are supposed to be. And do you know the worst part? At the end of the day, all these things we labor for, they put them in your hand, but you cannot hold it anymore at your final day. Then what have you lived for? All the things you labor for and you thought that is your own, that you will not release to serve God. They put it in your hand and you see that our life has become so useless at the end of the day. What is the essence of life? That is why the Bible says that what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world, if he has labored for plenty aprons and sold plenty fig leaves, but his soul is out with God. Today, you to look at your life. Do you want to continue sowing aprons and fig leaves and abandon God? Think about it. It's a trap of the devil. Thinking you need more aprons. You need more fig leaves. You need to cover your own nakedness. You need to fight to pay your own bills. Children's school fees are there. Everything are there. So go and work more. And now you do everything. But no more service to God. No more service to God. September is coming to an end. You cannot even remember one day. You took a flyer. To say, let me even go and share and preach to somebody. But you are a marketer, you have marketed, you, you can even market a dead body. But as for the things of God, no way. It's a deception. I see God bringing you out of that deception. I say, I see God bringing you out of that deception. Amen. Number two. Oh no. What happened to them when they stopped? They stopped loving his presence. They stop loving his presence. That's number what? I think that should be number four. They stop loving his presence. Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife eat themselves from the presence. Eat themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst Look at where they went to go and hide themselves. They eat themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. 
What tree is this? The same tree in verse 7 that the Bible said that they used to make figs and aprons for themselves. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord and they went to go and hide in the midst of the trees that they are now using to make aprons and fig leaves for themselves. What does this mean? When devil attacks a man, he makes him worship money, worship career, and no longer value his intimacy and the presence of God. Look at it. They were worshiping business now. They, were, they went to go and hide in the midst of the business. This is where all my talents will be showcased now. This is, I am lead, I'm a businessman. I am a career man. I go to work. They eat themselves in the midst of the garden because now the garden can provide aprons for them. The garden can provide figs for them. They don't need God anymore. That's why most of us, we wake up early in the morning, we dash out of our house because we are going to the garden that can provide money for us. We don't pray anymore. To even spend 15 minutes before God for some of us is a problem because as for God, it's not our tree that can provide apron. It's not the one that can provide the fix for us. It's the one, we don't need him. So we worship the tree that we are using to make aprons, that we are using to make fix and forgetting the fact that we don't even own that tree. God gave us the power to get that to that place. Oh, what a deception. Where is your Bible study life? How is your prayer life today? How is your still worship life? When was the last time you sang in the morning to him? When was the last time you had more voice? You spent more time among the trees than in his presence. Because you see, we believe in the aprons. We believe in the figs. We no longer believe in God. This is what the devil wants so that you will not be a man who will fulfill your purpose. As a pastor, when I ask people, why are you not serving God? Oh, I'm so busy, pastor. Recently, I called somebody. Say why? Say, Pastor, he said, when I'm ready, I will start serving God. Why? He said, now I started a new business. We are bringing this product from abroad. We are bringing that product from abroad. You know, I'm telling you, about two weeks ago, you know, we are doing this. Pastor, just pray for me. Pray for me. When I'm done, I will come back and start serving God. And I look. Here goes another Adam. Here goes another Eve. The devil using the aprons and the fig tree to lower it away. Now we are hiding from God. We prefer to be Mr. Anonymous when it comes to the things of God. And the same us, we are all out when it comes to looking for money, using our talent to look for everything. But with God, as for God, God, I'm coming. Are you also hiding among the fig trees today? And God called unto them and said, Adam, where are you? And do you know the mystery? When they stopped serving, he stopped blessing them. Blessing is not a car. Blessing is not a house. Those are product of mercy. Because Bible says he is a merciful God. He causes rain to fall on both the just and the unjust. That you have a car is not a blessing. That you have a house is not a blessing. What is the real blessing? The real blessing 
is to know God and be known of Him. The real blessing is to have relationship with God. Any blessing that is, does not consist of God is a curse. And do you know one thing that happened? The most sorrowful thing I've read in recent time in the Bible was when God said to them in Genesis chapter 3 verse 23, Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden. He sent them out from the garden to till the ground from whence he was taken. Maybe you may not understand what just happened here. God said, you don't want to work for me anymore, right? You are too busy to serve me. I put you in this garden now. Now you are thinking of your own life. You are thinking of your own business. I gave you this life, but all you are thinking of is your own school, your career, your children, your business. You want to build a good life. And God said, now I'm going to leave you. God said, the only thing I will do is I will take my hands away from you. And God sent them out. So go out. Nobody needs to tend my garden. Let the garden grow. You don't want to serve me? No problem. Continue your life. Do whatever you want to do. You see, there is a period that you may never be able to hear this kind of a message again. There's a period you want to say, Lord, use me. And he will say, no. I don't need you anymore. Remember the Lord your God. The Bible says, before the evil day cometh. There's a period you will want to serve. This same God that you feel that is disturbing you now. And he will say, I don't need you anymore. They thought that they, they are the one that knows how to do hide and seek. God then said, okay. Since you have forgotten that I own everything about your life. This garden, which was the reason I created you to dress it and keep it. And let us call it to our fellowship in this garden. You don't value it anymore. You don't value me, your God, in your life anymore. You don't value your relationship with me anymore. Now, I am now sending you out. And God that said, go out. And he put an angel. Say, Paravedia, they want to come, but don't let them be able to come. You know what? Their time was up. Their time was up. There is a time for everything in life. I have seen people make looking for God on the deathbed. When they see that now, death is staring at them face to face. Have I seen people who I wished would never die, died? Oh yes, I have. I have. I have. I have. I have. They wish they can have one more day. They wish they can listen to one more sermon. They wish that Lord, in fact, I have heard people say, if you can just heal me, I will serve you for the rest of my life. And God will say, no. No. You waited too long. You waited too long. What is the purpose of man? Your purpose and my purpose is to serve God. When you are not serving God, you are not fulfilling your purpose. Whatever you amount to in life without serving God is effort in futility. And you see, the real blessing, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 23 verse 25, 
said, serve the Lord and it will bless. What is the benefit of serving God? Is that you enjoy his blessing. Exodus 23, 25 stated, Job 36 verse 11, look at what it says. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity. Why? He created the garden. He made you into that garden. The true prosperity is waiting until you serve him. So they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. Ah, whatever represents frustration in your life today comes to an end in the name of Jesus. Whatever wants to make you spend the rest of your life in penury, in poverty, ah, God is putting an end to it today in the name of Jesus. If they obey and serve me, get to the job. It is time to serve God. Matthew 6, 3 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things. Seek first. Seek first. Serve him first. It's not against you wearing apron. It's not against you wearing, doing things for your life. But he said, nothing deserves to take my place. Today, church, don't you want to seek after blessing? Or you prefer the trees more than God. Adam had the day to choose. When God appeared and his business appeared, his school appeared, his career appeared, everything appeared, and God came. Adam looked at his maker. Say, you know, I prefer the tree to you, Lord. So he hid himself among these new friends that can make him great. Now, some of us, is our friends that are taking us away from God. You see, our relationship, our marriage, our career, you are hiding among those trees. And God looked at you and said, you've forgotten I gave you the breath. You don't want your breath. You don't want your breath. You don't want your breath. I shared in the first service about three weeks ago, my father's younger sister died. And I had to go and attend a burial. And that was when this thing, boom! Matthew 16, 26, for what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Became so alive. I go to that place. A new house that was just built for her. The children had contributed money to buy a property for her, their mother. What labored so hard. But right now, she came there. In, in, she, was, she was supposed to come a month. But before that month came, she was dead. And as, as they put her in that coffin, I assisted the people that wanted to carry her from the room she was supposed to be leaving. Now to the grave. She will now stay forever till Jesus comes. As we were carrying the caskets, we are about to make a U-turn. Then something happened. Something I will never forget. We were carrying the casket. The first time I was going to hold the casket. And we made that church. She was just there like that. Something shook everybody when we turned 
think about one or two steps more to the grave. Then, boom! The casket was going to turn. But do you know what happened? The woman inside the casket did not do anything. She was just there. She had surrendered all finally. She was not afraid whether she was going to fall. She was not afraid whether she was going to fall. She was just there. Then that song. I surrender. You know? Don't wait until death make you surrender to God. Even if you don't want to surrender now, the day is coming that everybody will surrender. I don't know about, but that day, I made up my mind. Death is not what is going to make me surrender to God. Accident is not what is going to, I will not wait until I don't have the power to surrender it. When I have the power, when I have the energy, when I have the will, that is the best time to surrender. I don't know who you are today. I don't know why God brought you to this service. But I believe, even if you are hearing, watching online, wherever you are, will you surrender? It's time to serve God. It's time to love God. It's time to be close to God. It's time to remember that you own nothing. Everything belongs to Him. Today, all I want to do is to lead you back to Jesus. Where you will say to yourself, Oh God, my life is all about you. Can we stand to our feet everywhere we have? I surrender the excuse why you are not serving God I don't know what I've made you backslided but eternity is real I believe today the opportunity that Adam and Eve did not have God is giving you that opportunity to come back to him to start afresh with him to give him his rightful place in your life. God is giving you that opportunity to make things right. Wherever you are, just talk to God. Lord, I don't want to hide among the fig trees anymore. I don't want to go among the, I don't want to go after the aprons of life anymore. I don't want to go, you know, after the, after the fig trees, after the aprons. 
Lord, I want to go after you, Lord. I want to serve you, Lord. I want to live my life for you, Lord. It's all about you, Lord. Oh, Lord, I don't own anything. I have come to understand life. I don't own anything. I am only a manager, a custodian of what you have committed into my hand. The money, the life, the resources, everything belongs to you. Somebody give God his rightful place back in your life. Don't let the devil deceive you. You don't own your husband. You don't own your wife. You don't own your children. You own nothing. Surrender all unto him. And give him his rightful place in your life. It's time to give him his rightful place in your life. No more deception of the devil. 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 Listen, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. I believe there are those who want to humble themselves before the Lord today and rededicate their life to Christ. Those of you who want to give your life to Jesus, today is a great day that God has given us the opportunity. Whilst we still have strength, while we have power, while we have the will and the ability, make a decision for God today. This morning, I want you to make a shameless decision. Make a shameless decision to say, I am rededicating my life to Jesus. I am giving my life to Jesus. I want to serve God. Whoever you are, wherever you are, maybe at the viewing center or online, you want to serve God. If you are at the viewing center now, go outside at those places and let the pastor there pray for you. But if you are in this church right now, you want me to pray for you right now. You want to say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. I don't want to hide. I am coming out from the fig. I want to come to his presence. I'm coming out from where I've been hiding. Now I want to come before my God. Wherever you are, just come very quickly. I want to pray for you. I know you are here. I know God brought you here right now. It is time to rededicate your life to him. It is time to give your life to Jesus. Wherever you are, just come very quickly. I want to pray for you. Just come. Yes, come. Come come everywhere you are. Just come. I want to pray for you right now. You want to give your life to Jesus. Yes, God bless you. Come. Just come. Because Jesus wants to make all things new. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Just come. Make, take that step of faith. Rededicate your life to him today right now. Rededicate your life. Come to the feet of the cross. Come to the feet of the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Now place those hands on your chest right now. Where? Place those hands on your chest right now. Thank you, Jesus. Now talk to God. If you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, say, Lord, I am rededicating my life to you today. Lord, today I am giving it all. My life, my time, my energy, whatever has taken me away from your presence, my money, my resources, my marriage, my children, my husband. Lord, I've come to surrender all to you. They belong to you. I don't own it. You own it. Maybe you have not made your life, you have not surrendered your life to Jesus. Just confess to him, Jesus, I am making you my Lord and Savior today. I am making you my Lord and Savior today. I want you to reign in my life, Jesus. I want you to, I want to come and take your rightful place but I just talk to God everywhere you are everywhere. if you are making that decision place your hand on your chest and talk to him right now talk to him right now today is your day of salvation today is your day of rededication the deception of the devil is being broken and shattered over your life talk to him right now talk to him right now talk to him right now 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yes. Oh, dwelling daily in your presence. I don't want to worship from afar. Oh, draw me near to where you are. I want to be where you are. Dwelling in your presence. Feasting at your table, surrounded by your glory, oh, in your presence. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you are making that decision with your hand on your chest, if you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, if you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, or you want to give your life to Jesus, place your hand on your chest right now. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. You want to rededicate your life to Jesus? You want to give your life to Jesus? Place your hand. Now say these words after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I humble myself before you, my maker. I acknowledge today that I don't own anything. You own it all. You own my life. You own my breath. Today, Heavenly Father, I acknowledge you in my life. I rededicate my life to you. I give my life to you. Dear Lord Jesus, please come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior from today. I surrender my life to you. Jesus, Son of the living God, I will serve you. I will love you. I come out from the garden. I come out from my hiding place to love your presence. Into your sweet presence have I come today. Wash all my sins away with your blood and take your place in my life. Now say, Heavenly Father, I live for you. Help me to fulfill your purpose in my life. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I thank you for your children all around the world. Those who are in this house, at the viewing centers, those who are online, offline, wherever they are. I pray for them, Lord. We've come to know our place, that life is all about you. Thank you for delivering us from the foolishness of thinking that we need the aprons and the fig trees more than we need you. We need you more than anything else in our lives. Father, come and take your rightful place in the name of Jesus. Take your rightful place in our lives, Lord, in the name of Jesus. From today, Lord, Help us to live our lives in such a way that it will glorify you at all times. Help us to be pleasing to you. We refuse to walk in the path of Adam. We choose to follow the example of Jesus. Even though he was equal with God, thought it no robbery to be, to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. So Lord, everything we have, we lay it down at your feet. Now fill us with your glory. Take us and use us, Lord. 
And let your blessing that passeth all understanding now reign upon our life, even as we serve you, Lord. Thank you for everything. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Shout a louder amen. amen. Put those hands together for the Lord. You may please be seated. We hope you have been blessed by this message. For more information, please stop our website at www.rtc.ng. May God bless you.